And welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Trip Mitchell. That's Randall Carlyle. We're going to introduce our guest in a second, but want to talk about our new gigs. What, our surroundings? Yes, this is a beautiful Charles Thorpe, Anchor Stage Management, uh, is our next-door neighbor, and we're in his studio today with his new equipment, and it's going to look and sound even better. The sound is better, I can tell already, because the ambience. Yes, there's no echo. Well, that's because of all these (laughs) wonderful curtains here, so... Well, good. And then. So thank you for upgrading. By the way, and again, we're going to get in just a second. Let's read some of the countries that we are getting listenership now. I am so psyched. This is from the last week. We've had, uh, well, we had a whole, uh, several hundred in the United States, but we had 34 listeners in Switzerland. I don't know whether it's views or listeners. I think it's listeners listeners on Spotify or iTunes. 34 in Switzerland, 19 in the Russian Federation, 9 in Ukraine, 3 in the United Kingdom, 2 in Indonesia and France and Germany, and 1 each in Thailand, Cape Verde, Austria, Israel, Netherlands, Ireland, Estonia, Brazil, the Islamic Republic of Iran and <laughs> and Taiwan. So we heard. Hi, if you're out there in Iran, I didn't think you guys were allowed to listen or watch to stuff like this. I, well, know. and you might be watching for the first time or listening, wondering what we're all about. And this is a podcast slash TV show about addiction, but most important, it's about recovery. Right. Both Randall and I are members of AA and very proud of it. And this is a project that we got together almost a year ago. Right. And we're averaging... We met at the AA central office across the street from these studios. And so. I said, I introduced myself yes. and said, let's do a show together. And uh, it's worked Bingo. out. But <laughs> ten to 12,000 listeners per week yeah. is incredible. Yeah, it is good. And so we're allowing a lot of people to learn more about addiction. And the, our listeners aren't necessarily people with challenges themselves. It might be a parent, friend, or just people interested in addiction. Because every single person knows somebody, has a friend, a relative, uh, somebody in their church, school, whatever, who is battling addiction. I, I guarantee you. Even if people won't admit it, they, they do. So. And it's funny when you're, if not funny, ironic when you're around people and you've got a challenge and they have a challenge, they don't want to be around you. <laughs> so I've lost friends over it because they feel that I'm going to be preachy. I'm going to. And what I've learned throughout my years in AA is that you can't make someone want to stop drinking or drugging. No, Odyssey House doesn't work for somebody who doesn't want to doesn't want it to work. I mean, you know, you yeah, you have to want help. Exactly. To so let's meet our guest for this week. She is a shining star at Odyssey House, Rusty Wayne Jones, and I've known her for a long time. She's also a cool person, but but she's shining <laughs> star at Odyssey House. So welcome. You've got and and one of the reasons I wanted Rusty on is she is like the prime example of somebody who had significant issues throughout a good part of her life who has now transitioned into doing something and giving back in a huge way. So maybe you could start out with your early story. We'll we'll start out with the bad first and then go to the good, okay? Okay. All right. <laughs> so I started using around age 12, um, <clears throat> and I just started using marijuana and drinking and smoking cigarettes. Um, and I escalated to a pretty heavy-duty meth addiction, um, moved into manufacturing. By the way, Rusty, were you from Utah? Mm-hmm. So Born and raised here. A lot of people feel that because of the predominant LDS culture that kids don't get into challenges. <laughs> I've learned that is not the case. <laughs> that is not the case. <laughs> not the case at all. 
um, my family is the majority of them are LDS and I was raised LDS. Um, my parents got divorced when I was really young and which left me feeling like an outcast. Um, I didn't feel like I belonged to the LDS religion because my parents weren't together. And I know that that's not their goal. They don't want to make people feel that way, but that that's the road. It was a byproduct. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's where I started hanging out with people that were doing things that also had similar, similar lives to mine that were either smoking, had divorced parents, whatever it may be. Um, I started early in like sixth grade and it just escalated from there. I dropped out of school around eighth grade, um, got pregnant with my first child. Um, I didn't actually start doing meth until around 17. Um, and that's because I tried from 14 to 17 to be a mom and just like do everything I possibly could, which no child should be a mom. Um, I had great support from my mom, but my mom also had her own issues. She dealt with chronic pain and was consistently on pain medication. Um, she did the very best that she could, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't enough. You did a recent interview on Channel 2, and what I thought it was interesting when he asked you, describe the feeling of meth and why you liked it. Um, it <laughs> I felt like it made, me, it made me feel like I was 10 feet tall and made a kryptonite. I could focus. I could do extra things. I could stay up later. I felt productive. Um, and initially, that kind of made sense because I started out in lower doses, and I'm fairly ADHD. <laughs> so it kind of worked for me at first, but then as my doses increased, it stopped working and it just became extremely problematic. Um, it just overtook my life and I was, became completely unproductive. How, tell me about the first time you did meth. How were you exposed to it and what it was like? Um, the first time I did meth was actually with my oldest sister. And at that time, I think I was, so I guess the first time I did it, I was 16 because I was new to driving, and we went over to her house. Um, we were going to an alternative school, trying to make up credits, and we went over at lunchtime, and um, we just did a little bit, and I went back to school, and it was amazing. Like, <laughs> all of a sudden, I could focus on what I was doing. I could get my homework done. Everything felt great. And then I started using a little bit here and then, like here and there, like on the weekends, but nothing major until I was about 19-ish, then I decided I needed to try to hold down three jobs, and meth was my, my cure-all. You I, had the energy and the focus. And, mm -hmm. yeah. and I wow. slept very little. And and it went bad in a hurry. Oh, yeah. And, and the story about your mom I found interesting, the, the turning point as to why you stopped. So... Um, like I said, my mom had chronic pain and I think my breaking point was when I convinced my mom, she was in a lot of pain and I convinced her to crush up one of her pain pills and snort it because. That's a conversation a lot of daughters have with their mothers. <laughs> right. It's, yeah. and at the hey, time, mom, I can help you. Completely rational. Right. Like at the time it was like, mom, I can help you. This is going to work faster. <laughs> this makes a lot of sense. And it didn't go quite as well as I had hoped it would. And I mean, I could, I put her in real danger. And she very well could have OD'd from that. And I think that was my point when I'm like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? And, and while we're still on the negative, you, d you did some time in, in behind bars. Mm -hmm. I did. So I decided that I was done living that life. And I had that situation with my mom. And I was trying to get clean on my own. 
finally reached out to a treatment program, got on a wait list, um, and <laughs> two days before I was supposed to go in the treatment program, I get a knock on my door from the feds. Um, Hello. Me, yeah. <laughs> wanting to charge me with stuff that was two years old. Um, I had, I think I had like a month clean at that point because it was three weeks or a month, something like that. And that was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life was trying to stay clean on my own while staying with my mom and um, waiting for this treatment program to... And the last thing you needed was the DEA or the FBI knocking on the door. Right. Exactly. How how did that work out? So I got incarcerated for, I think I was there for a week and a half, and then the judge released me to the treatment program that I was on the wait list for. They held the bed for me, which was... A, a, Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, at that point, I was just so done with that lifestyle. I just wanted to stay in treatment. I just wanted to change. I wanted something different. It didn't matter if I was going to prison or not. And... I mean, that was, that's the case usually when the, DD, the DEA gets involved, you're done. You're going to prison. There's no other option. And I was well aware of that. But and was, do you mind me asking what the, the crime was? So initially they were trying to charge me with manufacturing, which I had been manufacturing, but not in this case that they wanted to charge me for. What I had done in this case was I had bought someone iodine um, so that they could manufacture. So... I ended up pleading to that, the buying them iodine. It took about approximately, let me think, they charged me at the end of July, and it was the following, so the following December that I got incarcerated, or that I finally got charged and went to prison. Um, so I had quite a bit of clean time when I went to prison. I also found out I was pregnant, um, and I gave my youngest son, I gave my brother and his wife temporary guardianship of him while I went to prison. Um, and then while I was in prison, I just did everything I possibly could. Took a whole bunch of classes that are just... Classes. Were you in federal prison? Mm -hmm. So they sent me to California, which made it really hard for me to get visits. I got one visit from my kids and my brother the whole time I was there. And I was there for just over three years, but I had been sentenced for 48 months. The original pre-sentence evaluation recommendation was 10 years, but the, the judge I had was absolutely amazing. Her name was Tina Campbell, and she could see all the change that I'd made in this time period. And I've met yeah, she Judge is, Campbell, yeah. She is an amazing woman, and she really gave me a second chance. She sentenced me to 48 months and gave me the drug program, so I only ended up doing just over the three years, and then halfway house time, and then... Even with my probation, I was supposed to do three years, and I got off after a year and a half. Um, but that's because you were working so hard on yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I just wanted so I wanted change. I was so sick and tired of being sick and tired. So there's an expression in AA that you can get off anywhere. You don't, you know, the elevators, the euphemism used, you don't necessarily have to get off at the bottom. Right. What really impresses me about your story is you'd made the call to get off. Mm -hmm. You weren't using up to the day you went to jail. You weren't, no. you knew that you wanted to turn the ship around. Absolutely. And Judge Campbell recognized that. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay, that's, that's the bad. Okay, 
We could go to a commercial break, but we don't have any commercials. So let's go to the good then, okay. because she just recently got her master's degree. Or and and was, I met her at she worked in our in our parents program, the moms with kids and dads with kids program. Whether you guys went through, uh, and she was she worked there. That's where I got to know you. But go ahead and tell well, the rest of the that, story. Well, before that, let's give out a phone number. Why don't we do that? If you've got a question about addiction, and we've got some amazing people at Odyssey House, and just to preface it by saying Odyssey House has the largest number of people in treatment in the state of Utah, but it's not alone. There are plenty of great spots. There are plenty of wonderful people that can help you. But the first thing, pick up a phone and call and get some information, and the number at Odyssey House is 801-322-3222. For those of you who are watching, uh, Lee will put it up on the screen, but... It's so important to call because there's a lot of great information out there. It's sure. not an easy, this is not, we're not going to uh, sugarcoat it. Recovery is difficult. Absolutely. And you have to want it and yep. you have to be willing to work. I mean, I did it. I did it. You did it. You did it. I mean, but it, but it's work, mm-hmm. you know, and you got to change your whole way of thinking about how you deal with issues in life and everything else. And it's just, which is not easy to do. I was functional alcoholic for 40 years. And when you turn to alcohol, every time you have a, an issue in life for 40 years to turn that around, it's, it's pretty hard to do. That's you know? a friend who's been there for a long time. And, yeah. and, and in your case, you're about to go into treatment. You're, you're seeing the, the light at the end of the tunnel, and then you get a knock on the door. Mm-hmm. That's, that's tough. And I know that even with some sobriety behind me, when I get something bad news, you think, you know, a drink would help. <laughs> right. Or you get some good news. Yeah. Or oh, there's nothing on TV. I mean, it, <laughs> it can be that simple. It becomes a crutch. <laughs> or, yeah, it can be anything. <laughs> and Randall, one of the things, and I mention this a lot, and I apologize for doing that, but you had, after being on TV for 40 years, you were very comfortable working for the lo- local ABC affiliate, right? Doing great, and you had an opportunity to get in to work for Odyssey House. So right. you I gave had, up TV. I had two years left on my contract, and Odyssey offered me the job that I have there. And I asked to be let out of my contract, and the station agreed. And so I've been at Odyssey for two years now. So And, you and in, I love it. <laughs> that, it's the best job I ever had. <laughs> well, and, and the situation— It's not what, the highest-paying job I ever had. <laughs> but uh, The situation is is that there is so much addiction in this state of, in the state of Utah. And there are a lot of people trying to help, but Odyssey House right now, and again, there are tons of great spots, but 800 people are getting helped right now. Yeah, exactly, through and, our various programs. And that's so. amazing. So let's back to the good. Now that you've interrupted okay. the good. <laughs> yeah, but go let's, ahead. Let's. <laughs> so when I got out of prison, Odyssey House had the contract with the BOP, so the Board of Prisons. So I went to Odyssey House's outpatient program, and that is actually where I learned how to be accountable. And I don't know if I wouldn't have learned that key piece to my recovery, how long I would have been able to stay clean. Um, Talk about accountability. Accountability is so huge. Just the ability to be honest in every situation, the ability to let somebody know you're not okay with a situation, the ability to say, I'm sorry, I did that. I messed up. I made that mistake Um, is huge. Because so often as addicts, we don't want to admit our faults. We don't want to admit we did something to hurt somebody. So we try to turn away from the feelings and the pain by either using, lying, hiding, stealing, stealing, whatever the, <laughs> yeah. whatever yeah. the case may be. Pretty much we cover all the Ten Commandments. <laughs> <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> we don't discriminate. <laughs> yeah. 
So um, that accountability piece is just huge in my life. Like just being able to admit when I'm wrong. I don't have to run out and use because I made a mistake anymore. Which isn't it funny how much time you save when you save in your life when you admit you're wrong? <laughs> oh yeah. Because in the in addiction, just for most people in general, it's you never want to admit you're wrong. Right. And when you are wrong and you admit it, you take all the steam out of that other person's sure. argument. I mean, all four of the wives I had said, <laughs> said you're an alcoholic. And I said, no, I just drink a lot, you know. And if I would just, if I had looked at him, I said, yeah, you're right. <laughs> what, what would they have said next? I mean, it's like, okay, fine. I'm an alcoholic, you know. So, so part of yeah. accountability is admitting when you're wrong. Right. And that way you can move on to what you can do to fix it or what you need to do next or how not to make the same mistakes right. over and over again. You give off an aura of contentment right now. Um, that's great. You really do. I mean, you it, <laughs> it I think if I were to be an armchair psychologist, you're very comfortable in your present position. Oh, thank you. Is a big part of that working with people at Odyssey House? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I love giving back to the community I came from. And think that's about huge. this. She just you talked about you were going to an alternate high school, so you were doing pretty crappy in school because oh, yeah. you didn't you didn't care that much. And now she has her master's in social work, I presume. <laughs> Eighth grade dropout is yeah. now a therapist. Insane. Is there a PhD <laughs> in your future? Um, not yet. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> this was hard enough. <laughs> Where'd you get your master's from? The U. It sounds like the U is doing some great stuff in that field. They really are. They, they absolutely are. It's an amazing program, and I highly advise to anyone who wants to do social work to go to the U. So when you were in your program, how many classmates do you think have had their own challenges and are working through their lives the way you are? So the funny thing about social work is generally, no matter who's in the, a social work position, they have some type of contact or some type of history with either substance abuse, mental health. So I don't think there was a single person that I went to school with that didn't have some type of struggle that they were working through. Rather, it was a family member or personal experience. And That adds a lot, doesn't it? Well, oh, yeah. Think about if, if, if I'm an active meth user and I'm in Odyssey's program and she's my therapist, it's like she knows if I'm lying to her. You know, you can call me instantly on that. And I respect her because she's gone through the same thing. Whereas if you had some guy, even with a Ph.D., who had never gone through any of that and said, well, according to what I read, this is the way it's supposed to, you know, that kind of stuff. Don't you yeah. think it's a huge advantage? You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because um, when I was in treatment and I went to outpatient, I was so worried they were going to give me someone that had a history in substance abuse because I know how to screw up my life just fine. I don't need <laughs> advice from somebody else who, needs to screw up, who knows how to screw up their life. I wanted advice from somebody who never took that road. How did you not take that road? How did you deal with your feelings and your emotions? Really? And that was a huge piece for me, which I know isn't the fact for a lot of people. Right. It's kind of counterintuitive because most people want to have tips from someone who's, who's been, been over, yeah. over the line. Yeah, I didn't want that. <laughs> I was an expert at screwing up my own life <laughs> so, <laughs> making bad choices. <laughs> in many of the treatment programs, you have a combination of people that have worked their way through a challenge, mm -hmm. maybe gotten some more educational mm -hmm. components. With some people, you've got psych people involved who, who haven't had that challenge. But it seems to me, and my experience, you know, with NAA, is talking, having a sponsor who's been there gave me 
first of all, it's an example that someone, one person at least can turn their life around. Right. Absolutely. And it's it's more than a lot. One of the interesting, Randall and I were kind of engaging offline this week. There was an article about treatment programs and how the 28-day program was kind of a combination of insurance policies, uh, Betty Ford Center. It's something that came in very early but isn't necessarily the best. Do you have any thoughts on how long someone should be in treatment? Oh, absolutely. So I think I completed four of those programs. Four 28-day programs? (laughs) (laughs) How'd it work for you? (laughs) It didn't. Okay. Um, it takes me a long time to, to build a habit or it doesn't take me very long to build a habit, but it takes me a long time to break a habit. And the thing I like about Odyssey house is it's more of a behavioral program and you get, you get six to nine months of practicing that behavior, practicing how to do something different. And it's a controlled environment. So once you master doing it within that controlled environment, then you slowly start to get access to the outside world and you get to learn how to master it at the outside world. Um, I'm not going to say that those 30-day programs didn't don't work for some people. They may, and I I can honestly say I took a building block from each one of those. But when I got my the majority of my confidence and my ability to stay clean off of drugs was from Odyssey House's outpatient, and I was there for six months, and then I stayed on for an extra six months to help with their brand new trauma program. I got to be a mentor in that program. And that's where I fell in love with social work. But well, that's fantastic. And now, oh. she, now you're you've moved from. I won't find you at the parents program anymore, right? No, I loved my stay at the parents program. It was an amazing opportunity. But I was a case manager there, and then now I've moved to another Odyssey House program, which is called Lighthouse, as a full time therapist. Tell me about Lighthouse. Um, so I've only been there for about a week, but it is already a- they all hate her too. <laughs> I've gotten these emails internally. No, everybody loves her. There's a really amazing team at Lighthouse that we all work so well together. I think the second day I was there, we did a a team retreat where we got to know each other and we went on some activities and we learned um, some team team building skills that was just huge. I mean, did you do the one where you fall backward into your? No, (laughs) but we went to Boondocks and we raced cars, and I'm still pretty sure I was the champion the whole time. That's always good. For a while there, every TV show had a team-building exercise where the person yeah, would fall back and the guy wouldn't be we there. Did, we did that in my treatment program. We also had rope climbing with people down below to catch you, you know. So <laughs> I had, yeah, We well. did that in a treatment program. Did you? Yep. Yeah, okay. So I interrupted you. Tell me more about Lighthouse. Um, Lighthouse just has an amazing team. The clients are seem very motivated. Um, what differentiates Lighthouse from other programs at Odyssey House? So the parents program is working with adults who have their children living with them, Mm -hmm. adults who have substance abuse, um, and then are trying to either regain custody of their children or – so you get a a huge component of parenting along with substance abuse. And I love that program too. It's an amazing program. Um, Lighthouse is just for adults. It's one of our four residential houses, basically. Yep. We have four adult residential houses, and then we have the parents program and an adolescence program and outpatient. When I visited, Randall was nice enough to take Lee and I around to the facilities, and we went to one of the facilities, and the amount of energy there, 
was incredible. I, I took them to downtown, and it was a time, I think they were unloading food or something. So there were people coming up and down the stairs and yeah. <laughs> and people running everywhere. I call it organized chaos, but, you know. Well, it, and, and the really neat thing about it is everyone, no one was trying to hide. Right. In other words, people were enthusiastically doing what they do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to see that energy is a great feeling. Absolutely. And to see people, maybe for the first time in 10, 20 years, noticing that there's hope. Mm-hmm. Hope is the one four-letter word that is pretty great to see. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, that's one of my thing, favorite things about working for Odyssey House is you see the client when they first walk in, and they have no hope. Um, they're tore down. They feel worthless. Um, and then within you know, two months of being in the program, it, most of them are like a different person. It's like all of a sudden they have this light back in their eyes. They have goals. They have dreams. They have hopes. They have desires. They enjoy spending time with their kids or they enjoy spending time with their family. They enjoy spending time with each other. Where initially when they first got there, they wanted nothing to do with anyone. And it, it's just amazing the energy that, that comes off of them and the change that happens. That's fantastic. How does it make you feel that you're part of that? Oh, I absolutely love it. Like it gives me, I mean, it makes me want to keep doing better every day. You know, they say the best way to improve yourself is to hang out with people that make you want to do better. Yeah. And I get to do that all day long. Every day. Every day. Yeah. That's cool. (laughs) Well, if you want to cure that, come down to our studio. (laughs) We've got a crew down here that make you want to do worse, but (laughs) might be our culture. So in in your situation, and you've got a chance – We've got ten or 11,000 people listening to this show right now, a lot watching and some listening around the world. What would you say to a parent who's concerned about a kid or a family member? What, what advice would you give? Is there anything that you can talk to them about? Um, so I am not one of those people that believes in giving up on their children or their family member. Um, don't enable them, but absolutely don't give up. Don't stop talking to them. Don't stop communicating with them. Don't stop letting them know that you're there and that share resources with them. Tell them, you know what, here's the phone number to Odyssey House. Here's the phone number to all these other recovery programs. I mean, there's so many out there and there's so many options. Just keep giving the information to that, that loved one who's struggling with substance abuse. Don't ever give up on them. Um, I was really fortunate that my family never gave up on me. Um, my dad had to distance himself because he was, he almost had to stop watching the news because he was so afraid that he was, it, I was going to be one of those bodies that got pulled out of the dumpster or found behind the church. That I would go on channel did. four some night and say they found. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of his biggest fears. Wow. And, but the second I started working on doing something different, my dad is my number one fan. Like he stands behind me in everything and he would move heaven and earth to support me any way he could. And to have that that that, back is huge. Yeah, you've given your parents an amazing gift, and that is truly wonderful. Randall, the streak continues. You are the greatest booker ever. I'm a good booker. (laughs) I should apply it like Good Morning America or something. But thank you so much for coming on. You have been a delight. Thanks for having me. she's, She's wonderful to work with. She's always been one of my favorite people when... When I first started there, you know, you go into each house and people sort of look at you like, 
who's this guy who used to work on the news coming around doing this? And she was always very inviting and accommodating and and realized that, that I was there for positive purposes as opposed to negative. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. With those which, darn which pe- newsmen. Well, right. you know. It's... Well, <laughs> anyway. He never came with SWAT, so we knew he was okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They were behind chasing him, but <laughs> right. he lost him just for a sec. So once again, if you've got some questions, call 801. 801- 322-3222. That's Odyssey House, or go online. There are wonderful people out there in the state of Utah. We're very lucky. We've got a lot of people who really want to help you get through this thing. For my partner, Randall, I'm Tripp. We'll see you next time. Have a great day.